Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Herman. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I, I want to talk today for a minute to the person that is tired of getting beat up. Like you're tired of getting beat down. Anybody feel that? Like, man, life can just be hard. You're, you're tired of battling oppression. You're, you're tired of dealing with depression. You're, you're, you're tired of the anxiety. And, and, and you're just tired. You've been under attack. And I want to talk to the person that you, you've been in the fight of your life. And I want to talk to you that you feel like it's not that you've been hit by the devil. It's not that you've been hit two or three times by the devil. It's not that you got sucker punched by the devil. It's more like he's sent his special forces after you. Can anybody relate? And your life is under siege. Like your health is under siege. Or your marriage, your family, your children, your, your grandchildren, they're under absolute attack. You, 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 you might be under attack in your mind and your emotions. and You, you might be attacked in, in, in just getting beat up in your character or your reputation. And so I want to talk to you today that you've been getting beat up. You've been getting beat down, right? You, you're broken and you're just exhausted and you're weary. And if that's you today, I came to tell you today, then fight back. Then fight back. If you're tired of getting beat up, then fight back. Look at somebody and tell them, then fight back. Then fight back. I've been thinking a lot about this message and it's not going to be a one part message. Um, next week's father's day. And so next Sunday I'm going to give it to the fathers in a good way, but this will continue on into next Sunday at the very least. And I don't know. I got some preachers and my friends in my life that are like super programmed and it's like this is what we're doing and and then there's me and I don't know what I'm doing I, I plan for this and then go that way and I write a bunch of stuff down and don't say any of it and say other stuff and and, and I appreciate I hear people say you know why I love PT because he just says what he thinks and I want to say this though hold on but hold on because the reality is that's a I think a compliment, but I, I actually hold back about 95% of what I think. Can you imagine? I mean, maybe just like one Sunday night, we're just going to come and I'm going to cut loose. We're going to take all your phones as you walk in. <laughs> and then I'll tell you what I really think. That might be the first time I've ever been called that. I, um, I think a lot of times when it comes to fighting, we think, well, God's going to fight for us. And although there's some truth to that, you have to fight too. You have to fight this battle as well. And if you're going to fight back, you, you need uh, protection, Right? Uh, you need to be dressed for battle, right? You, you need your armor, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. You need to be fit for the fight. Some of you, you walked right into this fight and you're out of shape spiritually. Some of you, you know what I'm saying, you weren't ready. Well, now you got to get ready during the fight. 
And I, I love these two verses and the message translation. Look at these with me in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, exercise daily in God. Let, let's read this out loud. Ready? Here we go. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Don't you love that? I mean, that's good. Okay. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both today and forever. I love the way that's read. I love that. No spiritual flabbiness, please. It's like a cut with please. Like, don't be fat, please. (laughs) No spiritual flabbiness. Don't be spiritually out of shape. Yeah, workouts in the gym. We got a whole freaking row over here of this whole second row that sits behind me you know why i have them sit by me you know why i sit in the front and they sit behind because they all work for glory gains gym for caleb and their trainers and their 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 they're they're the supermodel section of the church and i'm not saying the rest of you aren't but that's an entire row of supermodels and they really take physical fitness um to like a whole nother level Right. And, uh, and then there's the rest of us. And, but I think, man, every day, like it's such hard work. Like the, the, this, the, the physical to be physically healthy, it's such hard work. Right. It, it just, you're like, man, it's, and, it, and if you're, if you're flabby, it's like, man, it's even much harder work. It seems so big. It seems so daunting, but it's just, it's just little by little. It's just little by little, bite-sized pieces. One moment after the next moment after the next. It's, it's step by step. It's day by day. Exercise daily in God. You don't have to try to become a superhero today. I exercise daily in God. It, yeah, workouts in the gym, they're useful. These bodies are staying on this earth forever. And you can work them out and work them out. But a disciplined life in God. Discipline. We live in a world that lacks discipline. We do. Maybe you lack discipline in certain areas of your life. And I would like to tell you what I told my staff last Tuesday. Let's tighten up in the area of discipline. Let's be more disciplined. Do you have a daily Bible time with God? If not, start today. Be more disciplined. Do you have a daily prayer time? If not, start today. Bite-sized pieces. You know, because some of you are like, you go to the gym and you're like, I haven't been to the gym in a while. And then you work out like, you know, 15 hours because you're like, I'm back, baby. And then by day three, January 3rd, you burn out. (laughs) Just bite-sized pieces. Just get to the spiritual gym and walk a little bit. Just get to the spiritual gym and read a little bit. You don't have to go into the homiletics and hermeneutics and the depths of Greek and Hebrew. Just read us. Just start with one scripture a day. If you don't have the Bible app, download it now. It actually sends you a Bible verse. I'm old enough to remember the archaic Christianity days. We had to open a leather bound Bible. It was a lot of work, man. No spiritual flabbiness. I love that. And then not only do you need to get fit for the fight, but there's others of you who entered the war zone that you're in right now, unprotected, vulnerable, and you left your spiritual armor at home, right? You, you need a fit for the fight. Armor. God's armor, right? And you, you, you're like in the NFL playing football naked. Really? You, you, you're in, you know, the battle in your birthday suit. Like, bring it. <laughs> and so to fight, you, you, you need to be spiritually fit and you need to make sure that you're, you're fit is going to protect you in this fight. And I want to start by reading 
in Ephesians chapter six. It's about the armor of God. And, and it says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor. Somebody say whole, whole armor, all of it, not some of it, all of it, that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Somebody say wiles, the wiles, you know what a while is? I didn't either. I didn't use that in my vocabulary. I'm not like, dude, you a wily little rascal, you like, but then I started studying the Bible 30 years ago and I was like, oh, the wild. Okay. So this dude's up to tricks, man. He's up to some tricks, right? He's up to some tricks. He's, he's got some tools up his sleeve, tools of deception. And it's smoke and mirrors with the devil stand against these, these wiles of the devil. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at somebody and tell them you're not my enemy. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this. I don't know if this will be a two message series. This might be 14 because there's a lot here, but we'll get through it eventually. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole, somebody say whole, armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let me tell you something. We are in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, if you want a message to go back and listen to, uh, go to our Impact Church YouTube channel. And I preached a message on uh, standing and the message title was I'm still standing I'm still standing and maybe that will encourage you this week but that's not today's message stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness we're getting into the armor now and having your your, your feet shod with the preparation and the gospel of peace above all somebody say above all take the shield of faith with you'll be able to Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the what spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Father, we thank you for your word today. God speak to us. God bring it. Let us have it today, God. Give it to us exactly how we need it. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen. The armor of God. It's important to understand the background of Paul's writing. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to the church in the city of Ephesus. So he writes this book to the Ephesians. And as he writes the book, Paul's in prison... And he's chained to a Roman soldier, to a Roman guard. So Paul's, Paul's chained to a Roman soldier so that he wouldn't escape. And I, I've thought about, you know, that maybe sometimes the chains that you have in your life are actually there to help set other people free. And so Paul is chained and it's in this context that he writes about the armor of God. Right? It's in this, this, this moment. I'm going to write about the armor of God for the Christian soldier, for the man or woman of God. And I'm going to write about the protection that we need. Now, look at verse 12 again. If you have it handy with you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, Rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The analogy of playing football is a bad one. Because this is not a football game that we're playing. This is spiritual warfare. 
This is a spiritual war. Hey, listen, everybody's talking about World War Three, and oh my gosh, I'm so afraid, and we might nuke them, and they might nuke us, and we're all going to die. Let me tell you something. World War Three is nothing compared to the spiritual war going on in and over your life and our world and our society today. You're worried about the wrong war. You're worried about the wrong war. There's a spiritual war. It's real. World War III is nothing compared to the spiritual war, listen, of your life. Against the principalities, powers, spiritual hosts, rulers of the darkness of this day are waging war against you. I know this is the weirdest sermon maybe I've ever preached. Because I'm going to start really dark. But I think it's needed. Make no mistake. Listen, impact family. Never doubt that the devil is not after you. He has sent thousands of demons after you. Do you understand? He's assigned demons to your life, to your marriage, to your child, to your family, to your hope, to your mind. He is, he is assigned. This isn't like by chance. Well, I'm under attack. This is intentional. Demons are, they are sent to assassinate everything about your life. He has assigned demons, not a demon, demons to your life. And Ephesians 6, it uses the word principalities. He has, he, he has appointed and sent out demons to, you know what a principality is? It's a geographical location. There are principalities. You tell me that there's not different demonic principalities. Palities in Las Vegas than, 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 than there is in uh, uh, Ahwatukee or Los Angeles versus Wickenburg. You mean to tell me there's not different principalities that we deal with in Scottsdale and Paradise Valley than they deal with out in Goodyear and Buckeye? And demons are demons. But they have been assigned, and I know this is crazy to think about, but like families and bloodlines have been assigned demons. Your life, listen, your life is under attack. It is not haphazard or random. It's planned, it's organized, it's strategic. There are meetings in dark places about you. It's timely. Have you ever noticed? How perfectly timed the enemy's attacks are on your life? Because I have. He targets your weaknesses. He targets your vulnerabilities. He targets when you're tired. Right? He, he, he targets right after you do something great for God. I almost fear Easter. I'm not kidding. Because this last Easter we had 19,000 people at Impact Church. I'm telling you, every Easter I have ever preached the power and life and presence and the fire and resurrection, the, the forgiveness and the good. Every time the attack, the attack, the attack, the attack, the attack. Do you know what kind of a morning I had today? It has not been easy. It's been a hellacious attack. He, he's, he's targeting with purpose right before you get that victory that God wants you to have. Boom, the attack. He goes after the one that you love the most. Boom, attack. L listen, I'm not telling all of you all this to instill fear. I'm telling you all of this because I'm about to instill faith. I I'm not here. I'm not here to scare the hell out of you. I'm here to give you the tools to storm the gates of hell. You should, you should not be afraid. I'm not here to <laughs> pray for me. I'm not here 
to tell you that you're going to get your ass kicked by the devil. I'm here to tell you how to kick the devil's ass in Jesus name. We serve a God who is greater. We serve a God who is more powerful. We serve a God who is more present and a part of our life. We serve a God that protects us and he is able to do everything that we need him to do. We serve a God. We serve a God where Satan has no power compared to him. Absolutely no power. And I know I I know there's going to be some Baptists here that are going to leave after I said the word, but I don't know, man. Somebody decided certain words were bad and good, but I think context definitely matters. And I'm 47 years old and I survived a stroke where I should have died six months ago. And so I'm just on this new mission to... Actually, the Baptists might be fine with it. It might be more like the Pentecostals might be offended. I don't know. It's not that you should be afraid, but you you should be alert. You should be aware. This is what it says in in, in 1 Peter 5. It says, be alert and of what? Sober mind, your enemy. We know this verse. The devil prowls around like a roaring Line looking for someone to devour. That's real. That's not, I hope not. No, it is real. Be alert. Pay attention. Understand your enemy that you're fighting. Understand your own vulnerabilities. Understand your own strengths, your own weaknesses. Understand your weapons and fight back fight back fight back we don't fight like the world fights i mean i can't like come on devil like like i don't know does that hurt him i have no idea we don't fight like the world fights the bible teaches us that it says in second corinthians chapter 10 it says for though we live in the world We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. And on the contrary, we have divine what? We have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have divine power, not worldly power, not human power, divine power, not dark power, divine power. If I turned all the lights off, maybe I'll do this next service. I don't know if I can do this. But if I turned all the lights off, I could light up this whole room with one little cell phone light. Will you be that light? Because we're in a world full of darkness. And God's just saying, let your light shine, man. Let your light shine. In Ephesians 6, chapter 10, we go back to Ephesians 6 again. Finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The armor of God. So we're going to go through this. And we might only get through one. Maybe two. Maybe three today. But let's just see how it goes. You guys ready? The armor of God. The first thing Paul mentions is the belt of truth. Look at somebody and say, do you got your belt on today? The belt of truth the belt of what truth it's the first thing he mentions the belt of truth stand therefore with the belt of truth girded about your waist the centerpiece of your body The middle, the foundation of your outfit. The belt is what the sword of the spirit is going to hang from. Take the belt of truth around your waist. Truth, truth wrapped around the center of your body. 
the core of who you are. Ask yourself today, is my life centered on truth? Are you living a life of truth? If your life is not built on truth, then you're vulnerable. If your life is not built on truth, it's built on sinking sand. Matthew 7, remember, Jesus said, build your house upon the rock. The rock, the word of God, the truth of God. The, the, the Bible is a book of truth. The Bible has a lot to say about truth. In fact, the ninth commandment of the Ten Commandments, it says that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Stop lying about people. Stop lying to people. Be a person of truth, honesty, integrity. In, in Proverbs, Solomon, he said in chapter 12, verse 19, he said, truth stands the test of time. Lies are soon exposed. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the what? The life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. I'm the way. You can keep trying every other way but Jesus, but I'm telling you, every other way that you try, you're not, you're not going to discover truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus also said in John chapter 8, verse 22, he said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You want to know how to become free? Tell the truth. You want to know how to be free? Get to know Jesus Christ and he will set you free. Now, I can't talk about truth. You might be able to, but I can't talk about truth without talking about lies. Because lies and truths are these polar opposites that go hand in hand. And Jesus talked about truth, but Jesus also talked about lies. In fact, he said in John chapter 8, just a few verses after what I just read to you, he called Satan the father of lies. He's the father of lies. He's the original liar. And, and Jesus goes on to say, his native tongue is lying. I know some people like that. Do you? I know some people. I'm pretty sure their native tongue is lying. He, he's the original liar. Now listen, this is so important because we're trying to understand the enemy. Because we want to fight. So I understand. Satan is the father of lies. The Bible also says he is the accuser of the brethren. He is our accuser. He falsely accuses us. He falsely accuses us. He makes stuff up about us. He makes stuff up about us. And how he does that is through other people and through your own mind. He, tell, he lies to you. And he tells you lies. And he tells you that there is no hope. It's over. And he tells you that you're not good enough. And you never will be. He tells you that you're not pretty enough. You'll never, you'll never be pretty like those other girls. You'll, you'll never be uh, as smart as those other guys. You, you're, you'll never measure up. You don't measure up and you'll never measure up. And he tells you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Can you believe what you did? And he tells you, you should be, you're guilty. Huh? You should constantly think about how terrible of a person you are because of the terrible things that you did. Those are all lies. Every one of them. See, he's the father of lies. He, he tells you, there's a verse in, in Isaiah. Is, he tells you what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. And he's a great deceiver. He's the master liar. He uses deception to manipulate your mind. I've preached on this quite a few times, but the verse just trips me out because it says in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, it says that Satan masquerades himself like an angel of light. 
Tell me that's not trippy. He, he masquerades as an angel of light. He, he, the devil puts on a costume. He, he playing dress up, man. And he shows up as an angel of light. He shows up in beauty. He shows up in beauty. He shows up in an, he shows up in an attraction. And I'm attracted to that. And it looks good, so it must be good. It sounds good, so it must be good. It feels good, so it must be good. But it's the devil in disguise. Those of you that are single, you got to be careful, man. Because you're like, that girl's fine. That's Satan with the costume on. <laughs> so, hey, some of you all, some of you all, you're dating a disguise right now. <laughs> you, you, you crushing on a costume. I guess I shouldn't say the singles because you could be married and this is your, this is your wife. This is your baby girl. But there's some other person that you're like, oh, but I like her. She's hot. And the devil lies and he says, it's just flirting. I don't know why you guys keep coming back. Cause sometimes I'm just like, dude, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if I could sit through this beating. And the devil is the great deceiver. And and Paul told the Corinthians, let me just say, the church in Corinth, if you study Corinth, in in the the people of Corinth, the Corinthians, you will find that Corinth is is Las Vegas. So if you were thinking about naming your daughter, like Corinthia, don't do it. Sounds pretty, but that's the devil. It's but this is crazy because Paul in 2 Corinthians eleven three he says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Man, I'm afraid for you guys. Darrison, I am afraid for your life. I am afraid that this teaching that your father brought you up in, a man of God, spirit-filled man of God, I am afraid that the devil wants to come around you and try to get you off track and tell you that this is right when it's wrong. I'm afraid that the serpent is going to do you like he did Eve. And let's rewind for a minute to the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. The first five verses. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He's crafty. He said to the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die. The serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Y'all ready for this one? Satan asks Eve a question. Did God really say that? Did God really say the fall of Adam and Eve started with a question? Did he really say it started with a question that challenges God's word? And this is what he does to you and me today. 
Is that really what the word of God says? Is that really what God meant when he said that? Did he really mean we shouldn't do that? We shouldn't live that way? Did he really mean that? That's where the devil starts. With a question. With a question. It's Satan's scheme. They haven't changed the wiles of the devil. He uses the same thing against you and I today. We have God's word. We have it. Hello? We have it. We have it. We have his word. It's God's word. I didn't write it. And the devil says, yeah, but is that really what the word says? And your fall starts with the question too. He manipulates you. He starts with this tool, this weapon of confusion, and then he switches to the weapon of convincing. I'm a little bit confused. I don't know. I don't know. Does it say that? I don't know if it says that. I'm not sure if it says that. And you're confused. And then he's got you. And he starts to convince you. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It's that it's going to give you life. It's going to give you knowledge. It's going to make you like God. It's going to make you happy. So he first confuses you and then he convinces you. You're not going to die. You're actually going to find life. I know you're an addict. It's just this one time. He's very convincing. You know why? Because he convinces as he's targeting our own desires. I want you all to know something. Our own desires are in conflict with God's desires. They are. You say, well, I, I don't know, it seems right. It's like, yep, I'm going after that. You know how many alcoholics I've met that don't think they're alcoholics? I'm not an alcoholic. I just have two, three, four glasses of wine every night. You're an alcoholic. Sorry. I mean, the, the, the first step to freedom is truth. You can keep lying about it and stay bound. But the first step towards freedom is being honest with yourself. With yourself. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, now she's, she's becoming convinced. And pleasing to the eye. Whew. Wow. Man, this thing's good for food and it looks good. And desirable for gaining wisdom. I'm in. And she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Who was with her. And he ate it. You know. Women you don't even understand the power you have over a man. <laughs> there should not be an insecure woman on planet earth. Like you, you, you are a man's like. Not like superpower. But kryptonite. <laughs> You're in the garden and every, there's no sin. It's beautiful. If you study it, it's beautiful. Everything they need is in that garden. It's, it's, I don't know if anybody's been to Switzerland. I have the privilege of preaching every July in Switzerland. Switzerland's the most, it's, I, I don't know, everybody's in, a, in the U.S., everybody's like, go to Paris, go to, you know, go to Venice. Go to, like, those are old and dirty and honestly just gross. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's a big tall thing, the Ali Fatara. Cool, let's go. But, like, Switzerland is like God's insane beauty. Like, I've never seen anything like it. If I talk to people about, like, hey, where should I go on vacation? Should I go to, yeah, we're going to Europe. And they always skip, I can't figure out, Switzerland's the number one. Like, it's literally number one. <laughs> and you can trust me because I've been to them. Switzerland's the one. 
I go back over there. I'm like, okay, I'm not going there again. That was fun. It was overcrowded. The streets were dirty. It smelled really bad. But yeah, there was a big tower in the sky. Woo! Cool. Make it look all romantic in movies and stuff, you know? No, Switzerland's romantic. Dude, it's green. It's water. It's like the purest water I've ever seen in my life. The garden, the garden, the garden will blow that off the map. There's never been any sin. It's beautiful. The people are beautiful. But they wanted more. And they were confused. And then they were convinced. And so he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together. And they made coverings for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman made me do it. Because that's what we men do. We throw our women under the bus. He did. Look what he said. The man said, the woman you put here with me. <laughs> it's like a freaking coward. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. Like nobody can take ownership of their own crap. That's the world we live in today too. Nobody will admit. I was the wrong one. I was the, I was the one. I admit it. I was wrong. Uh, we're in our marriages. It's like, you're the one that's wrong. Uh-uh, you're wrong. No, 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 you're... There's no peace. Because there's too much pride. It's too much pride, man. I mean, how, how hard is it for us to go, I, I messed that up. I was wrong. I was wrong. And so the devil uses confusion to lead you into temptation. I told you this message is weird. Is this okay? Because this is like a really weird message for me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not fishing for, for claps. I'm genuinely asking, like, is it okay? You know what I mean? The devil uses confusion to lead you into deception. He blurs the lines. And so there's a reason he says we must be alert and sober-minded. We must build our lives on the truth. Build our lives on the truth and not lies. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. All right, let's do at least one more. Okay, the second piece of armor that he mentions is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. And I want to look really at... A couple different concepts of, of this. A, B, and C of righteousness. First of all, he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate meaning it protects me. It protects my heart. This breastplate, it stand there for Having girded your waist with truth and having put on, put it on, wear it, the breastplate of righteousness, a life of righteousness, it guards your heart. It's a breastplate. In in Proverbs 13, verse 6, it says, righteousness guards the person of integrity. Did you hear that? Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. How many have ever lived out the second half of that verse? Raise your hand. Wickedness. Oh, that's it. You're the righteous service. Like you've screwed life up and it, it, it was like exposed and you didn't like it. It wasn't a good thing. You, you, you've lived that out. Raise your hand. Wickedness overthrows the sinner. Righteousness, it guards the person of integrity. This is why... Proverbs 4.23, 
Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, everything, everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart because the devil wants to deceive your heart. He wants to confuse your heart. He wants to steal your heart. He wants, listen, he wants to steal your heart. Remember John 10, 10, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have it to the full. Be careful. Guard your heart. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to confuse and convince. He wants to dilute your mindset and then deceive it. Hey, listen, listen. Family, I, I want to say it like this. Oh, baby. Hey. That's the cutest sound ever. Just not in church. Hey, for you mommies, I can't see who's back there, but enjoy that moment. Because that moment is gone so fast. And then they're 22. And so the devil wants to steal. Listen, this is a big one. He wants to steal your purity. (laughs) I told you I only say like 5% of the things that I think. Sex is created for marriage. I didn't make it up. I'm not like in Travis's book of goodness. Like I just love her so much. I can't. I'm going to like a pop can shake it up and I'm going to blow up. And I guess like, bro. People are like, what's the Bible say about living together? Bring it. This is another teaching I think I need to do. Maybe like an in-depth teaching on this. And I don't know that it would do any good. I really don't. I always struggle with like, I could say that and make people feel really bad about themselves. But it's the truth. I'm not here to make you feel bad. Do you know that Natalie and I waited till we were married? It can be done. Well, you're a man of the cloth. There's a special waiting anointing on you. It's like, no, there wasn't. (laughs) You don't think we want to have sex before we were married? We did. We didn't, though. I know. I didn't write write it. I didn't make it up. (laughs) Goodness, God. I still love all (laughs) y'all. I don't want to see you in sprouts and you're like, oh gosh, we're living together. (laughs) At ease, soldier. I'm just. (laughs) And And the man leaves his mommy and daddy. The woman leaves their mommy and daddy and is joined with their wife and the two become one flesh sex is the spiritual seal of a biblical marriage but see we live in a world today where we're going to blur every line possible and you love God you do it's not that you don't love God it's not this is not in my notes none of it (laughs) But it is biblical. When, when, when our church is asked to perform wedding ceremonies, I don't do them, so don't ask me. I stopped doing them a long time ago, or I'd be doing a wedding like every day, right? But our team does, and 
we do marriage counseling and things like that. And like, we won't do your wedding. We won't do it if you're living together. And guess what? We've, we've had well over a hundred people go, well, then we won't live together. I'll move out until we get married for the next six months, eight months, 10 months. And then people on the backside of that go, you know how cool that was for us. <laughs> I know. I, I told you, you probably don't, you're going to do what you want to do anyway. I know it's. Pastor Darrison Whitney, did you guys wait? Please tell me yes. Did you wait? Okay, good. Because I know them Hawaiians. They're a little crowd. They're real crazy, you know. The devil wants to steal your mental purity. He's going to try to show you things you should not be saying. He's going to do it so much that they become normal. They become diluted. It shocked you when you first saw that. But now it's like, that's normal. That's his whole strategy. He wants to steal your purpose. He knows that God has a purpose for your life. He wants to steal it. He wouldn't be attacking you so hard. He wouldn't be trying to steal from your life if there wasn't something valuable inside of you. He wants to steal your passion. He wants to steal your God-given power. Your anointing. Satan wants to steal every good thing that God created for you and has created you for. But guess what? We are here to take a stand and fight back and say, you can't have it, devil, because it is not yours to take. It is God's, and I am God's property, and I am a child of the Most High God. I belong to Jesus Christ. I've been bought. I've been paid for. I've been purchased, purchased by the blood of the Lamb and the cross at Calvary, and I'm covered in His righteousness. I mean, of course the devil's going to attack. You are a threat to his kingdom. You have the potential to ruin his evil plans. You're, you're in the devil's way. I got a word for you. Stay in the way. Stay in the way. Stay in his way. I'm happy to be in the devil's way. I'm happy to be a problem for the devil. Stay in his way. Look at somebody and tell him, stay in his way. Stay in his way. Stay in the, stay in the devil's way. So righteousness, it, it protects. But the, the, the second thing, B, is this, is that righteousness satisfies. It satisfies. Snickers doesn't satisfy. Righteousness satisfies. It satisfies. Frankly, there's a lot of, eh, there's just not a lot of talk about righteousness today. You know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't really talking about righteousness. There's just not a lot of talk about righteousness these days. I mean, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be satisfied. Is there anybody, I was thinking about this yesterday. Is there anybody in 2023, is there, God, is there anybody on this earth who is actually hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Because I see a lot of hungry and thirsty people. Hunger and thirst are not the issue. I see people everywhere hungry and thirsty, hungry and starving for attention, starving for attention, starving for attention. Starving for attention. The way they dress. I'm just, I don't hope, hey, I'm starving to be looked at. You know how shallow that is? Starving for affection. Starving for affirmation. Starving for acceptance. Starving for validation. Money, hungry. Power, hungry. Sex, hungry. A, a world feeding our flesh with lust and greed and pride and perversion. And the more we feed our souls with the stuff of this world, the less satisfied it becomes. I, I called it 
a few months ago, the vulture culture. Our world is starving, but we keep feeding on dead things. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Man, God, I want to be, I want to be hungry, thirsty for righteousness. I want to long for it. Nobody's talking about this. People seek blessings. Oh, I just need a blessing from God. People seek relationships. I'm seeking that man. I'm seeking that woman. People seek money. Man, that's all I hear in this city. People seek a promotion. Oh, I'm seeking healing. God, give me a healing. God, give me a healing. God, give me a miracle. God, give me a miracle. It give me a breakthrough. But nobody, I never heard anybody say, I'm seeking righteousness. God, I'm seeking righteousness. I'm seeking your righteousness. God, I want to live right for you. I want to do right for you. I want to do good. I want to be good. I want to live according to the scriptures of the holy written word of God. Jesus said, you want to be satisfied, then you need to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And Jesus said this in the very next chapter, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and what his righteousness. And that'll be added to you. You want to be truly filled. Hey, you want to be satisfied, truly satisfied. Seek righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. First Timothy six. It says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Second Timothy 2.22. So flee your youthful passions. Do you remember all those passions you had as a teenager? <laughs> they weren't all good. Flee those youthful passions and pursue what? Righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Let me give you the sea of righteousness. We'll close with this one. Righteousness finds favor. Righteousness leads to favor. Righteousness satisfies. Righteousness protects. But righteousness gives you favor in your life. Listen. Psalm 512. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. Don't you want God's favor? You bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with the shield. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord, they're toward the righteous. And his ears toward their cry. 1 Peter 3, 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power. Like, hey, listen, listen. I just want to say, like, have you ever, you ever felt like, man, God's not answering my prayers? Is it a God problem or a you problem? Righteousness finds favor. You'll never be perfect. Righteousness isn't perfect. It's not perfection. You know what the Bible says about our righteousness? Even if we could be as good as we were supposed to be and it was a great day and we didn't sin maybe four times, that was all. (laughs) The Bible says in Isaiah that our righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God. It's not talking about a Philly, Philly auto mechanic rag. It's talking about a woman's menstrual cloth. 
<laughs> I don't know what to call that. But when you look in the literal translation, it's saying it. Our righteousness, it's not very good, guys. So we have to be clothed in Christ's righteousness. Here's what happens. I can kind of like try to white knuckle my way into good living. Or I can yield my life to the beautiful power and spirit of God Almighty. And as he dwells in me, he starts to call, he starts to work on me. And there's this process, it's called sanctification. And he starts to sanctify me. He starts to clean me up from the inside out. As humans, we think, well, we got to get it clean. No, you got to surrender and allow God to just start filling you and washing you and filling you and washing you and filling you and washing you. You know, I've met some people, they say like, man, you know, I, I don't know if I can, I don't want to stop this. I don't want to stop that. Hey, listen, I get it. Man, I, hey, I, I think one of the things that God allowed me for a season of my life was to do about everything wrong you could do, you know, because now it's like a pastor. Like I understand, <laughs> I understand the, the feebleness and the weakness and the undisciplines and the sins of humanity. I mean, I'm still a sinner, but like, you know, the day I surrendered my life to Jesus, I mean, I I said, God, I invite you into my life. I I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my savior. I don't want to live for me anymore. I don't want to live for Travis anymore. I want to live for God. I don't want to live for me anymore. I don't even want my dreams, my hopes. I don't want my desires. God, I want yours. I want yours. I want yours. I want yours. And the day I did that, I didn't want to use profanity anymore. Before that, I thought I was super dope. Like, yeah, mother up this, that, and the other thing. Now I feel weird because I said the A word for the first time in church for the 30 years. But it is in the Bible. Since God spoke to a jackass, so I mean, you know. (laughs) But it did feel weird. Did it feel as weird to you as it did to me? Because it felt really weird. But it was perfect timing. I mean, it it was needed. Because I, I, I even prayed about it. <laughs> it's like, should I say but? And I'm like, it just doesn't do it. Doesn't get us there. Heine, nah. The tail, I couldn't figure it out. Rear, none of it does it. I got to say it. Some of you are going to stay for the second service just to hope that I say that. <laughs> and you get it on video. And I assure you, I will be on CNN tonight and Fox News. And it will be completely misskewed. But it's amazing when you invite the Holy Spirit to live in you. Like, he starts working on you. And you don't have to white knuckle your way. He starts, he starts like, now he's convincing you. Man, you can do better than this. There's a better life for you than this. I got more for you than what you're doing right now. I got a bigger picture for you. I got more blessings for you. I got more favor for you. If you understood the power that you have within you to change the world, for me, that's what I have for you. Starts with surrender. I'm going to pray. If you'll bow your heads with me and close your eyes. God, we thank you for today. And How could something written thousands of years ago be right on for us today? And it's because it is the living word of God. God, we're grateful for your word today. God, we want to be people that fight back. We want to be people armored up. We want to be people that are protected. And we know that you fight. We know that you fight for us. God, we know that you fight for us. We know that. But God, we also know that we're in this fight too. There are things, tools, weapons that you've given us to fight. Like the weapon of prayer. The weapon of praise. The weapon of worship. The power of our words. God, the weapon of righteousness. God, the weapon of truth. God, today we come before you and we want to surrender to your truth. God, no more lies. No more living in the darkness. No more covering it up. God, we want to step out into your marvelous light today. If you're here today and that's you, you you feel that. That's you. You say, man, that's me. I, I I need to step into the light today. I need to step into the light. 
I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and invite him into my life. I want him to call the shots. I want to live for him. I want to, I want to have the, the desires of God in my heart. If that's you today, with, just with your head bowed, your eyes closed, would you raise your hand right now so I can see it? Raise your hand so I can see it. Keep it up for just a minute. It's a lot of hands, y'all. It's a lot of hands. A lot of hands. Man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Because even lifting a hand can be scary. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. God's proud of you. God's proud of you. God sees you. God sees you. I, I want us I want us to pray together. We're going to do this as a church family. So everybody. Dear Jesus. I'm stepping into the light. No more hiding. No more running. No more living for myself. But for you. Teach me. Show me and guide me how to live for you. Put a fire in my soul. Forgive me of my sins. And thank you for the cross. For paying the high price on that cross. I am yours. I am your property. I'm a child of the most high. I bind every lie the enemy tries to tell me. And I stand on your truth. I love you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact 